and welcome to episode 14 of the second series, powered by Netball UK. It's incredible, we're at 14 already. Time flies, doesn't it, with you, Pet? Hey? Um, although, I honestly think now, I've seen your living rooms, your front rooms, that many times, I could close my eyes and draw it. <laughs> we might have to switch them around then, Sarah. I yeah. what you're gonna what you're gonna nick when you burn yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, nothing from you, Sarah, because you'll be in all the time. Yeah. <laughs> You've been be going on a bike ride for two weeks. Yeah. Um, what, <laughs> that's how I get you. You think I'm on a bike ride? I'm gonna be here waiting for you. <laughs> uh, what have you pair been up to since we last spoke? Oof. Well, where do you begin? <laughs> Go on. Where do you begin? Been on a few runs. Um, had a few beers, and that's about it. Do you know what? That sounds pretty decent, Sarah. Well, like, that not, is, a bad, not a bad week, is it? In, in 14 podcasts, that's the best you've come up with. It's all actually. about balance. It's all about balance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, Mags, um, as we record this today, it is your baking day. So, what's on the cards for today? Today, we have mint arrow oh, no. fudge. Oh. And we also have a Rolo Rocky Road. Oh. No, not Rolo. I like, I like, I like. It's, it's Twix. Twix Rocky oh, Road. Oh, oh. Max, I was out at the Mint Aero, but you got me back in with the Twix Rocky Road. I love Road. Mint Aero. I I do. Right. Why would you make chocolate taste like you're brushing your teeth? <laughs> What Why you would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> mint toothpaste. I, to me, the flavour of mint is when it's the end of the day and there's no more dessert, and it ruins a dessert for me if, if it's oh, ever got mint. Oh god! Mm. Okay. I think that's no. I think that's quite a popular opinion as well. I don't think it's just me that thinks like that. But that means more Twix Rocky Road for me, so I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take pictures and I'll 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 pop them on. Please do. Thank you. This is Netball Nation. Powered by Netball UK, your one-stop shop for everything netball. Now then, UK lockdown's gradually easing and with it, some kind of normality is returning. And we're aware that Netball Nation podcast dropping each week has played a big part in many of you keeping a routine and your sanity. Uh, well, we at least make you feel better about yourselves, don't we? So without further ado, here's what's coming up this time around. We touched on it last week, but it's such an important issue. We will be revisiting the Black Lives Matter movement and how racism has personally affected some netballers. Now, it was announced last week that Australian super netball and AFL franchise giants are going to be launching a men's netball team in London and we'll be discussing men's netball and how that part of the sport is growing. But first we'll be speaking to this week's special guest. It's Manchester Thunder head coach Karen Gregg. Hi Karen! Hi! Do you know what? I always forget that we need, for anyone that's not watching this, we need to make sure that we make noises otherwise it just sounds like a silent intro to every guest, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? I know, when I was asked to come on I was like, Oh, God, we do it on YouTube now. I'm going to have to watch my hair. I'm going to bother Greggy, so don't worry about it. We have it bothered. Every six weeks here on a Nation. It washes itself after a while. Does it? Well, Sarah sounds like someone that knows. Now then, for anyone that isn't watching this, Sarah has pointed out that, Karen, you've got a great tan, and you've been in Costa del Chaniton, haven't you? I have, yeah. It's been absolutely roasting here in Oldham. It's been amazing. <laughs> how, how, so, has, how has lockdown been for you? Because you, you're right, Sarah's right, Sarah's right, you have got a great town. Yeah, I mean, it's been difficult. You know, it's like every day is Groundhog Day. Um, been lucky in some ways that my boyfriend's still been working. So um, it's been 
similar to normal in terms of me, you know, normally working from home and him not being here. So I think it might, we might have killed each other had he been here um, 24-7. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, it's the, the kind of, I will not say novelty, but it, it wore off after probably about a week. <laughs> all right, I can sit in the garden, I can top my tan up, that's great. Everyone knows me, knows, me, knows I love having a tan. Um, but yeah, it's just boring and Groundhog Day and, you know, speaking to the same people and just missing being around the girls and that banter and, and that kind of thing. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's been fine. I can't complain. You know, I've stayed safe and healthy and ha- as well as all my family. So um, that's all we can ask for, really. And I mean, so many things have happened during this lockdown period. Um, obviously, uh, one of the things that, that, that you'll know a lot about is the fact that we know the Super League won't return as we know it until 2021. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Karen? Um, I mean, I was disappointed at the timing of, of the, you know, like of the announcement, really. Um, I thought we could have maybe given it another four or five weeks. Um, and then four or five weeks down the line, that same decision was made absolutely 100%. You know, the, the safe, health and safety of everybody involved in netball is, is crucial and that's what's um, key. Um, I just think as we've started to come out of this lockdown and seen the decisions that the government and the guidelines that England Netball are starting to release, it would have just been interesting to see if anything potentially could have happened over that summer period. And, you know, I guess now we'll never know. But, you know, as I said, the, the um, ultimate thing is the health and safety of everybody. Just disappointed with the timing of it, really. Why do you think that decision was made um, relatively early, really? I think it was just a case of looking, you know, England netball isn't just necessarily about Super League. It's about a lot of other things, you know, and the grassroots side of it. And um, and I think they're probably in a position where they've got to make a lot of decisions about a lot of different aspects. And, you know, at that point, I think there was probably a case of, well, facilities that aren't opening anytime soon. And, and it's different for every single franchise, you know, in terms of the support that would be available and, and those kind of things. And probably just, you just felt at that time that too many jigsaw pieces to put together probably at that point and obviously you know that decision uh, is going to impact thunder particularly financially and we know that the club's taking steps to try and recoup the money lost with help from the fans was it was that a difficult decision to come to karen to try and do that yeah, um, obviously, you know, Debbie's, Debbie's come out and been really open about the, the impact that it was going to have on us financially, I think, in her in a, um, interview with The Telegraph. And I think we've set to lose something between 100000 and £200,000, you know, when you look at how, how much a season actually costs to run as a mm. franchise, you're talking up and around that £500,000 mark. So it's a lot of money, you know, and, and for a team that heavily rely on, on the income from from sponsorship and from ticket sales um it's a case of how can we start recuperating try, trying to recuperate some of that money that we've lost in this period of time and um you know we're hoping obviously the generosity of the fans if they can ultimately donate the cost of any you know individual tickets and, and roll over their season tickets that would massively help us um in terms of the of not having to refund and the liability that comes with that and, and what's the feedback being like from the fans since you're coming out and saying this to them? Um, from what I've heard and seen, obviously, I've posted it out there and asked the fans and we've had a really positive um, 
reaction there's a lot of people that have said yeah 100 percent we're happy to refund our tickets or we've already done it um and people asking the question of i've not bought any tickets but we'd love to help how can we donate you know and it's and there's, we've had those messages as well so that's something that we're probably going to look into moving forward but everybody knows the thunder fans are amazing and you know netball family in general the so word, hopefully the word's not amazing is it karen they're crazy absolutely <laughs> crazy thunder fans <laughs> We don't have any other way, Max. Absolutely not. <laughs> we're, we're born and bred that way. That's what, the, what happens in the north. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. I mean, it's, it, the, the reaction has been fantastic, and um, I'm sure we're looking at more ways over the coming weeks and months to look at how we can actually start to generate some income, so that we've got a real solid base to go into next season with. Do you have any idea about what that might be in terms of generating a solid income? Um, obviously, we've got the, the, ticket, the ticket sales that we're looking to, to try and recuperate some of that. Um, you know, there's stuff in the pipeline around online facilities and, and um, workshops and things like that that we're looking to potentially do over the, over the coming weeks. But all that is a work in progress. And I know that Debbie's kind of got regular meetings with the board um, as to what those things might look like. So obviously, we're still all on furlough at the minute. So um, none of us can work. So we're, we're just kind of waiting for that information off Debbie and the board as to what it might look like and and come up with a plan moving forwards it's it's the tough situation obviously for for everyone uh, within netball and everyone at thunder but how have you and the players and and, and debbie and everyone involved there kind of felt see, seeing this seeing right we've got a bad situation here and watching people help you deal with it what what's that felt like um it's, it's been amazing, you know, the positivity, um, obviously the upset around the league being cancelled and, and the disappointment initially, initially obviously was there. But then to, to know that there's that so many people out there that have got our backs and that want to see us kind of succeed moving forwards and uh, what can we do to help and we can't wait to see, you know, you're back on court. And I think, you know, we've still tried to do, have some kind of interactions through our, you know, social media sites and and that's been taken really positively. So, you know, we, we feel like we're not on our own, which is great because at a time where you can feel like you're on your own because you're just in your house kind of by yourself all day, every day, it's great that we, we still feel really connected as a franchise, not just as, as a team and a staff unit, but also, you know, with our fans and our volunteers as well, you know, the, the communication across and the messages that's been going backwards and forwards. It, it You know, it is really comforting to know that, we're going back to those crazy fans and those crazy players. <laughs> uh, you're right. We've spoken about that so many times on Netball Nation, the importance of communication, particularly in times like this. Um, and obviously, you know, you'll have spoken to a lot of, of the players. What, what has their experience of lockdown been like? Um, you know, any stories of how individuals have dealt with it or has it been very varied? Um, it's been varied really because we've got some players that obviously work so they've still been working so they've been working from home um, you know we've got a couple of teachers in there so they've still been kind of doing some stuff from home in terms of marking and, and, and liaising with the school so and then we've had some people who have just been doing absolutely nothing so it's been a real um, disparity of, of what of what they've all been able to do but they've they've managed as, as a group to stay really well connected and um, they've had a Thunder Cup going on behind the scenes where they've set themselves challenges each week and I've been the judge of that and <laughs> some mm -hmm. of it's not gone down too well some of my decisions on the on the mm -hmm. judging panel but you know they've, they're finishing off with um thunder kind of cup and a games night to um yeah just to keep keep connected and we've got some youngsters in there as well so it's been great that you know we've been able to kind of pull them in and and um, keep them connected as well because obviously you know 
they feel a little less more connected when they're 17, 18 and they're mm. with a group of girls that have been together for a long time. So it, in that case, it's been a really good uh, um, situation to keep them connected and Thundercup. Yeah, there's been some interesting interesting things to judge over the last few weeks. <laughs> oh, that, that genuinely sounds amazing. You're right about the youngsters. So what a great way to be breaking them in and yeah. getting them used to all that kind of thing. Um, I mean, without netball now then, Karen, um, apart from sunbathing in Costa del Charity, what does your summer look like? Um, well, I'm hoping to, you know, obviously hook in with some of the girls. Obviously, I did a little bit of a session with some of them yesterday. You know, they said, oh, now that we can we can actually get on court and do something, do you want to come and meet us? And, and I just went over and met them. And it was just great to have, you know, those conversations, obviously all social distancing. So, you know, the more we can keep connected with the girls over this period, it'd be fantastic. And um, I, I do have a couple of holidays booked in August, but obviously we don't know yet whether they'll be able to go ahead um and obviously the impact of having to quarantine when we get back what that looks like um i don't know how long we're going to be furloughed for from a, an employment perspective but it's a case of now just wait wait and see what happens and knowing that i've got a big body of work to do once kind of once we get back in the swing of things you know it's not necessarily about when the girls can get on the court it's about all that planning as Sarah will know that it's got to go in behind it your annual planning and your phasing and meeting all your support staff and things like that so um hopefully won't be on furlough for too much longer and we can get cracking planning for next season yeah you're gonna have a lot to get stuck into and uh, before we let you go as well Karen if England netball get the opportunity to host a Super League event in the autumn which they've hinted at what format would you like it to be in um I think some kind of tournament over a weekend, whether it be, I don't know, something like Fastnet, but, you know, like when you've still got your seven aside, um, obviously everyone loves the Fast Five um, format of the game, but I think if we could do something like Fastnet, for me, that would be quite exciting. It's still, it would still be seven aside, um, but you can get your players on court. Obviously, the players won't have played for a long time, um, so being able to roll your subs on and off and just keep it exciting, I think, would be putting the same format of the game would be um would be good so um yeah i'd have to sit down and wrap my heads around what that would actually look like but i think yeah some kind of seven aside fast net format would be would be good as a just kind of a, a season breaker to bed in some of your players moving forwards would you like to see that yeah i think it's one of those uh, suggestions that's on the table and probably that's the only kind of format they'll be able to do I mean, if they're going to do it through the summer, you know, maybe, I don't know, September, October time, you're not going to have your overseas players, are you? So I suppose for somebody like you at uh, Thunder, you know, you've got a lot of homegrown talent. And so you've got plenty. It's that Thunder machine, isn't it? That just keeps pushing them through. <laughs> so, you know, you're not going to have a problem, uh, you know, putting out players. It may obviously be a bit of a disadvantage for some of the other franchises. Who knows? But I think that's the only kind of format that is possibly doable a tournament later in the year. And um, I mean, I think it'll be important as well that you can for the fans to see some kind of netball, some, some elite netball here? Oh, massively. You know, I, I look at it and, you know, we've had so many questions um, questions and conversations over the last few weeks around um, the fact that there is no women's sport pretty much happening now. Um, everything seems to have been cancelled, um, which is really disappointing. And I think in some ways, that's why I'd have loved to have seen some ha something happen for the Super League. So I think it would have been great to go, here's netball and to really branch out to some new supporters that love watching sport just because the sport's fans. And it would have been great to try and kind of engage 
region and get them on board and show them what netball is about. So if we can get something happening in October, I'm sure that like the media out there are, are crying out for some kind of live sport that they can actually show and report on. It would be fantastic. It really would. Yeah. Um, before we let go on, go on, Max. I was going to say, um, if you can think back to when you had that that first super opening day of the season where all ten teams played. And it was at the central venue and there was the, I suppose, the sharing of the profits from that particular game or the games that were played on that opening day. So for both Sarah and for Karen, you know, if we are able to get some sort of a competition, let's be right about this, you know, all franchises need to try and grab back some finances from somewhere. Would you envisage it being very similar to that, that opening day where the money gained is shared with the franchises rather than maybe sitting in one particular pot? Yeah, I think, I think that would be ideal. I think the problem is, though, if, if you've not got a crowd, you're not actually making any money. <laughs> so if we, if we take September, October, for instance, unless, we, unless you can pack an arena like we did in Birmingham and you can have a crowd... Um, there won't there won't be any money attached yeah. to that, which is which is a tough one because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if by that point things will be back to somewhere close to normal, or or will have gone backwards and we'll be, you know, where we are still now. So I think it is it is a tough one trying to make those decisions in advance now because you you're trying to predict and. I, I think in theory that would be amazing. You put on like another Super Saturday and each franchise gets a cut of the profits and it helps everyone out. But in reality, if, you, if you've booked a massive arena and then you can't have anyone in it, it's, yeah. it's a problem. How about Sky? I mean, I, ladies, I don't know whether or not, you know, there's any sort of deal um, with Sky that obviously show all the games. And I don't know whether or not there is a deal that we could be cut with them that if people paid to maybe watch it, you know, and even if it's only a fiver or a tenner to whatever to watch all those games, whether that could be shared with the franchises to give you something back that way. Yeah, I mean, that'd be amazing. Like, that's one of the things that I have kind of been chatting about with, you know, people. Um, could, could we have some kind of subscription for... Mm for a competition which would be amazing and as you say a minimal fee i'm sure that the netball community over here and even if it was made available for um across in new zealand and australia that people would would buy to watch it yeah. um it would also be great to go down the route of could we get a sponsor for that event you know if could could we get a sponsor for that event and i don't know because obviously difficult times at, at these at these times and a lot of people are making cutbacks and whether sponsors will be willing to part with the money you know at this time would, would be really difficult but if there was some kind of sponsor that could put x amount of money in that could be then divided across the teams and it was i, I don't know there's yeah. there's a lot of things that probably need to be looked at sponsors if you're listening get in touch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice little plug there well karen thank you so much for talking to us we know you're on furlough at the minute but we hope when things are back up and running well we know you're gonna have uh, your work cut out you're gonna have a lot yeah. to get stuck into <laughs> best of luck with it all and thank you so much for joining us on netball Nation. thanks guys stay safe Take care. thank you bye now, men's and mixed netball is growing in the UK and worldwide. We've already got Knights Netball and other big profile men's netball teams. And now, Giants Netball has been created in London to compete in the England Men's and Mixed Netball Association League. So, let's dive straight in then, shall we? Sarah, over to you. What do you make of the Australia-based Giants deciding to open up a club over here in the UK? I think it's great in terms of, um, you know, there's so many 
Aussies and expats and things in London that I'm sure they'll they'll have loads of of players. I don't understand how it works. If I'm being honest, I don't know enough about it. Like I don't understand what the association is. Like, is it just a name, or is it like a are they sharing information? I, I, I don't know how the association works. So, um, well, if anyone does know, please feel free to get in touch and let us know because um, you, you're right. I don't think we don't really know what the link is there. No, do we? and I mean, Mike said Joe Hart and put a tweet out about it, so she can get in touch and tell us. <laughs> oh, we, we should have brought her back on again this week, shouldn't we? Hey. Regular feature, <laughs> yeah, regular feature. It can <laughs> because I think let I me mean, see there again. I didn't even realize that we had Aussie rules teams in England. And I think it obviously makes sense because the Australians and the Kiwis big on netball, whether it's men's leagues or female leagues. But again, how do, how do you get that affiliation with a, a team across the water? It, it can well, only be a good thing though. Yeah, no, it's definitely a good thing. And I think it's exciting because there's, like I said, those communities and, and you've got a, a big Australian community in London, especially, mm. um, those communities will will have a lot of players there that are, are good players and have played a lot in Australia, and and will you know put some some good players into that team and, and make it competitive and hopefully um, keep pushing men's netball forward. Absolutely, which is what we want to see. And do you reckon this this is going to open up more doors for cross country relations in netball, like sharing and loaning players and stuff? I don't, think I don't know. <laughs> I, don't think I don't think we're quite there yet. I don't think we're quite there yet. I don't know. I think, I think like you look at like the Man City model in football and that works really well for them because they basically loan their players to all the different clubs. They go from City to New York City to Melbourne yeah. City, wherever. Um, but I mean, that's on a much, much bigger scale. Mm. But something mm. like that, I think, I think you're starting to see netball sort of cotton onto things like that with things like Leeds Rhinos and Wasps and yeah. in Australia with giants and collingwood and things like that associating with those other sports and sports taking it as like an umbrella um association so you never know it might we might take over the world soon <laughs> yes well i was going to say that to you mags actually because um sarah's right you've got your own initiative haven't you at rhinos so for you this this must be a positive thing I think it's a positive. Um, I don't think there are many men out there that would disagree that netball is, you know, is a female sport first and foremost, but they've clearly seen how fabulous a sport it is. Um, your purist, your netball purist will be clutching the chest now, mm. and like gasping what's going on, what's going on. But, you know, as, as females, as women, you know, we fought long and hard for equality. And, you know, we shouldn't feel intimidated by the fact that men want to play. The more the merrier, because it just shines a bigger spotlight, doesn't it, on everything that, that we're all trying to do. Would, would you say that that is the overwhelming majority of um, women in netball that have that point of view? Or are there quite a few that, you know, like you say, the purists that would say, no, you know, we, we shouldn't be introducing men into the women's game? It's, it's I, quite don't, a I don't know everyone. I, know. <laughs> I don't know everyone who plays netball, then, but... <laughs> why not, Sarah? That's why you're here. These <laughs> teams are just springing up all over the place. You know, there's a massive demand for it. And for as much as I suppose it's, it's South Central at the moment... Um, it will eventually creep north. I know we've got men's teams in the in the north of England as well. And they'll just take over. You know, the fact that England netball maybe don't recognise them and um, they've got their own governing body. It only takes a group of people to get the movement going and, it, and it'll end up huge and good for well, them. The, the sport has to evolve though. Yeah. You know, like Fast Five 
um, like men's netball, mixed netball, the rolling subs, things like that. Like you're not going to like everything and that's fine. You don't have to, but for the sport to grow, it has to evolve and it has yeah. to have different offerings. So it, co- so it, it covers it all. Reaches everybody. Almost, you know yeah. I mean? What's the point in, in having 50% of the, the population cast aside by this sport? Like, no, you can't play. What, what? Like, no. <laughs> what sort of like archaic thinking is that? Like, you just you're reducing yeah. you're reducing the amount of people can play. You reduce reducing the amount of people that will be care and be bothered and invest time, effort, money into that sport. So, for me, I think it's a no brainer. Like, mm. the more the merrier. Absolutely, I was going to say that as well. You know, if if men and boys then have men and bo- boys to look up to who are playing the sport, that can only be a good thing in terms of you know netball's popularity. Yeah, and it's, and the positive role models as well. I mean, yeah. for long for long enough. I mean, I come from a family of of sports men and women, and for long enough, my one of my brothers, one of my twin brothers who play professional sport, used to say, oh, netball, oh, blah, blah, blah. Tell me a tale about your netball, having to work all night and then get up and go, not even go to bed, have to go straight to netball. And we just had this game against the guys one day and he said he'd come along and he'd play. And from that day, from playing that one game, he was completely converted because mm. the crossover between, you know, a, a, a ball handling skill, because he played rugby, the footwork, the hand-eye coordination, you know, he said, it's absolutely amazing is this game. And he were blowing, which was just the, the best thing for mm-hmm. me. Because he said, I'll play centre. It's a crack on. There you go. <laughs> so, you know, he, he recognised the, you know, the excellence of the sport. And I think more people who play and the more people who get exposed to it. Absolutely. And I think I, you I, saw, at, at like, the, good. sorry, um, the, women's, the Women's World Cup football, oh, where yeah. you had, like, little boys with, like, Alex Morgan's name on the back or awesome. something like that. How cool would it be yeah. to like go to a netball match and have little boys with the t-shirt on with like Housby on the back or, mm. you know, Guthrie on the back or something like that. Like it, it's, it's an incredible sport. And I, I just don't think um, we should disregard male influence and, and getting males involved and engaged with the sport because that would be massive. Yeah, absolutely right, Sarah. I think it's a an overwhelming positive thing from us here at Netball Nation, absolutely. isn't it? We can all agree. Uh, right then, um, we're going to move on to very serious matters now. Um, on last week's podcast, we touched on the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, but we thought it deserves a little more explore- exploration on behalf of the Netball family. So we're going to revisit the discussion. Now, Netball players have taken to social media, personal blogs and media interviews to give their own personal experiences of racism, how it affected them, how it was dealt with, and what work needs to be done. Now, England and Manchester Thunder player Laura Malcolm wrote a powerful message on Instagram. I'm just going to read this to you guys and, and get your feedback on that. It says, I grew up in an environment where I'd say most believed that racism wasn't present, including myself. I also grew up really wishing I was white. I used to cry about my hair and I openly said to family members that I would love white skin. I genuinely remember longing to be white. I was too young at the time to know why I felt like that. But now I know it's because of all the microaggressions we experience that you might not even realize happen. I love who I am and it saddens me to know that I ever felt any different. I love that my white Irish mum ran away with a black man, knowing at the time the criticism she would face and the friends she would lose, but not caring because she knew better. I am proud of who I am, not what I am. Max, over to you. What do you make of Laura's message, wishing you know, that she was brought up white? 
such a powerful, powerful passage that, um, mm. you know, I can kind of relate to it slightly because I have, I don't even know what the correct PC term is now, whether it's an interracial or half caste or mixed mm. race child myself. And, and she's experienced very, very similar things when she was little, you know, wanting to have the long hair. So she'd have like a towel that she'd pop over her hair, you know, so her hair was long like a best friend who was blonde and white, you know, and the kids at school would play with her hair because it was dark and it was curly. And why, why are your, is your skin different colour to mine? So we've been there, and, you know, and ignorance of a child is what I would call that. Um, but I, I absolutely relate to what, what she's saying and I can understand why she's saying it. Um, and respect to Laura for being the strength of character that she is to stand up for her mum and her dad's actions and the fact that she probably embraces the fact that she's got these two cultures that are brought together and you know she's a beautiful person um you know and respect to her um, but but for you mags i mean do you do you ever remember because we've had we've heard so many people coming out and in netball outside of netball all over the world and talk about this um and you know, educating us because that's what we need we need educating on this do you ever remember having any of those feelings ever not through netball i have had many many situations in other walks of life even within my employment you know, without going too deep. I'll give you an example. So uh, team day out with people that you've worked with for years that you respect and you, you know, you hope that you gain the respect back from them. And one of the um, supervisors had had a little bit too much to drink and approached me and said, um, you've got three brothers, haven't you? And I'm like, yeah, here I have. Yeah, yeah. He said, so uh, which one's the drug pusher? Which one's the pimp? And um, which one's, what was the, uh, the robber? Wow. Uh, because of, you know, this <laughs> perception that you had that because you, you're non-white and if you're black and you're a man, you must be, you know, one of those horrific people. Um, and there could be further, nowhere further from the truth. That's just, that's just one instance. Another instance would be, you know, speaking to somebody on the phone and you give them your name. So because my name sounds white in English, when you actually turn up at the door, you can visibly see the shock on their face when it's somebody non-white. Oh, hi, you rung me up early, I've come to see you. You know, and there's no hiding it because, you know, their expressions are there. So that's just a couple of incidents. But I was kind of brought up within a really loving, loving family where, you know, my mother such a strong, strong woman, single parent due to my dad dying when we were younger. And there were certain values that she instilled in us. And, you know, it was never to be, you know, if somebody speaks to you like that, you don't want to lash out at them. You just try and educate them if you possibly can. And the bottom line is, if you cut me, cut Sarah, cut yourself, we all bleed red, you know? Um, so I don't have a chip on my shoulder. I've learnt through adversity, it makes me stronger and I'd rather educate people than um, be agitated by people um, and you know we all have a huge amount of empathy with the people who are carrying out these protests um, and but we like like we've said before we will never truly understand and I, I want to know Max from you how does it feel for you watching that unfold seeing this happen it, because it looks as though there's a ripple of change happening in the world right now I'd like to believe um, that there is going to be a ripple of change. 
you know, we, we talk about this particular subject matter day after day, week after week, month after month. And, you know, there's a lot, a lot of genuinely beautiful people out there who really do want to make a change. My experience is, is that it's the, the overt discussions are there sometimes just to tick a box, but covertly mm. people are still harboring the same thoughts and views and, um, you know, have the little, little corners that they might huddle in to have their true feeling discussions but because of people's perceptions and the fact that now you know it's legislation you can get yourself in trouble if you're outwardly you know racist or incite you know racial tendencies or racial views that um they'll just say what people expect them to say and the difficult thing is for people like um, like yourself, Emma, you know, and, you know, I know that Sarah is obviously, you know, engaged to Stacey and you only see the two of them together and you know that, you know, that there's a, a biracial couple there. Um, it just needs people who are non-white to be strong enough to stand up and to speak up. But there sometimes can be consequences to those sorts of actions and to have the strength to speak up on behalf of a a person who's your friend, your colleague, who's non-white. It's huge. It's absolutely huge because not only is the black person sometimes then ostracised, as is the white person, and they then have a, a raft of names thrown at them as well for standing up for, for the friend, the colleague, um, and for what they believe. But, I mean, it, it's an absolute shambles if we're even having to stand up for them, never mind if we then get persecuted for standing up for them. I mean, that is not the kind of world that we should have ever been living in, but particularly not now in 2020. And what you touched on there, Mags, I just want to ask you, um, Sarah, have you or Stacey um, ever been on the end of that kind of discrimination? Um, I, don't, I don't think directly, no. Um, I think... When, when Malks taught them about microaggressions and things like that, I think, I think Stacey has struggled in Australia with, um, with people not understanding that they're being racist. Mm. Um, and, you know, highlights reels were, they'll put a highlight reel of Stacey and it'll be another black defender. It'll be Layla or it'll be just Shamira or someone. And, it's it's like oh it, it was an it was an error and it's like well you don't get the the blonde the, the white blonde girls mixed up it comes you know, back it, to that line do we all look the same yeah the perception is that we all look the same and you know it, it's just it, like you it's just brushed off and it's like that that's that's not just an error you know like, like you need to understand yeah. like what's behind that and so whilst it's not um yeah, whilst it's not always over, I think those things, I think that's what um, this is about for, for me, understanding the, the microaggressions and, and the smaller things and, and people being obsessed, people obsessed with um, black hair, like touching people's hair, mm. like stop, mm. t- stop asking people if you can touch their hair. Like, mm. it's, like things like that are just bizarre. And, Absolutely and right. when you understand, start to understand where they come from, you realise how how hurtful it is to people. And, and how much we, we need to get rid of that attitude because you're absolutely right, it is the microaggressions and you've both kind of echoed the same sentiment there, uh, Mags and Sarah, that actually it isn't the overt 
stuff that we're, that we're seeing so much is the everyday things that people can often overlook if they aren't on the receiving end of it. Um, I mean, Kadeen Corbyn spoke of how she experienced racism at the Commonwealth Games in 2014. She said, we had a few comments suggesting, is this an England team or a Jamaican team? Now, Sarah, you played in that team. Do you remember it at the time? No, if I'm being honest, um, I don't. Like, Kadeen got, Kadeen got trolled. Um, kind of towards the end and after that tournament and um I don't know a lot of what was said and and she got she got trolled um not not just that comment but lots of other things which is just not okay generally um and I don't I don't remember that comment specifically but we'd had similar comments when we toured before and I think the disappointment in in myself and in the team is that we didn't really do anything about it. We just we might like whoever was being interviewed might have got angry or whatever, but as a team we didn't do anything about it and looking back now it it was an opportunity for us to to kind of take a stand and to 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 make some noise about it and and kind of say like well one that's not okay but where is that coming from like why would you say say that um and, so yeah you know and and as well sorry you say you know you, you didn't say anything about it and i think that is um where we're at right now is is it, we're at the point where we're going it is not okay to just not say anything anymore is it mm. No. It hasn't been no. for a long time, Emma. It no. hasn't been for a, a heck of a long time. But, you know, things like brother playing rugby and people eat a banana and throw the banana skin at his feet as he's, you know, just walking onto the, the, the pitch. You know, it's, and I'm talking 20 years ago. It's never been acceptable. But people just say, oh, well, you know, it's a one-off. It'll be fine. Just, and if you say anything, you've got a chip on your shoulder. You know, just let it pass. Well... The days have come where you just can't let it pass and you shouldn't let it pass. And, you know, I'm a good person. He's a good person. She is. And it's not acceptable. But again, with what Sarah was just saying about, you know, maybe something more should have been done by whoever. It's, it's sometimes difficult to, and I'm not going to use the brave word because that's the wrong word to use, but it's difficult for somebody to, to, to be that person to sort of stand up and say X, Y, or Z. Because believe it or not, there are consequences that come with people being that person. Mm. Well, we can only hope that with everything happening right now, that, that encourages that now more than I ever. I do hope so. Yeah, and I think I, I, saw some, oh, I saw a John Barnes interview the other day, which was really good, where he was talking about, yes, there's, you know, in football, there's overt racism with, with things like banana skins and monkey chants and things like that. Um, but he he's always kind of come at it from a community point of view, and for him as a player, actually seeing the the people of color in the stands having to get there five minutes late, having to leave five minutes early, so that they weren't caught up in trouble, mm. so that, that they weren't stopped by police. So all of that stuff, in, and it's not just about athletes or coaches. It's like you have to if we're talking about it from a netball perspective you have to include the entire netball community and it, it's when when we talk about it being a systemic problem it we can't ignore the fact that it's still there in netball how many how many people of color of england netball got on their board 
how many have they got working for them how how many black coaches have we got mags like do you want to use just one hand i could maybe put that, a fingers down and that, like all of those problems so we're going yes we don't hear it week to week on a super league court that and that's fantastic but it doesn't mean that netball hasn't got answers mm. and that it needs to be more inclusive yeah how do you see that happening max you know, it's a, it's a difficult one. Sometimes I think if you didn't actually see people, if you just had like mm. a blank screen and all you did was have the, the, the conversation, the communication, let's say we're talking about a job, whether it's for England, Nepal or wherever. And if you didn't know the name of that individual, you just gave them a name and then just ask them the same questions you would in a normal interview and you just accept that person for their experience and their knowledge and, and what you had heard rather than what you saw, then you might be surprised about how the balance would then tip back in favour of, you know, more we females getting, you know, high-level jobs, more people of colour from, you know, from, you know, BME backgrounds. Um, and I, sometimes I said to my daughter only the other day, you know, if people were blind then you would just see people as people. You would have no preconceived and you wouldn't make allowances or differences because of their sex or the colour of their skin. Exactly. So it's a difficult one. It's gone on forever, Emma. And, you know, I think I have to say that things have clearly got better. They have got, got better. But, you know, people still have those thoughts, but they just don't verbalise them now because they know that there are consequences. And, you know, success will be when those thoughts are not harboured. That's the place that we should be at right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and, and do you know what? If you as Netball Nation listeners have been affected um, by racism or discrimination in any way, or you've got any questions, I know Mags and Sarah will be happy to answer them. So feel free to send them in and we'll get them covered on next week's show. But we definitely thought it was important to revisit that again this week. Um, now that's about it for this week's podcast. But as always, guys, have you got any shout outs you'd like to give? Oh, oh! I love this because you both shocked every time I ask you every week. I know you do, and you both go, "Oh, oh, oh what do I say?" <laughs> uh, oh, oh gosh! I don't know. I suppose we should be excited that we can now have six people, Woo! you know, yeah. training together. Yeah, <laughs> is that five and one, five is and one, isn't it? Oh. five and one. Anyway, the Who fact knows? of the matter is, is that we're actually being able to have some sort of contact with uh, with athletes outside and it's hopefully a sign of the times that we're moving forward and we can get back to some form of normality yes it is what about you sarah i've got nothing nothing at all <laughs> not a not a thing no no i think i think my brain's actually going to mush as well this um during isolation so during what <laughs> we've got I, don't know. I, I was like during this covid isolation <laughs> 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 oh, really you know. dark dark time <laughs> <laughs> well do you know what we'll do a shout out for you shout out to sarah who uh, has been doing some runs and drinking beer <laughs> yeah. Pre preaching balance sarah balance yeah always yes and thank you so much to you guys for listening as always uh, if there's anything you want us to cover in future episodes get in touch at my netball nation thank you so much for listening to netball nation powered by the brilliant people at netball uk have a belting week and we'll see you next time thank Bye. you this is netball nation powered by netball uk shop now at netballuk.co.uk